Welcome to episode 64 of the Borussia Dortmund Fan Club London podcast. My guest today is uh, a coach and a former coach of the German national team and who worked with no less than Franz Beckenbauer and led Germany to the 1990 uh, FIFA World Cup win. Um, my guest has also been the national team coach of Canada. Australia, as well as clubs VfL Bochum, Olympic Marseille, Fenerbahce, Kocheli Sport and Irawa Diamonds. And he himself has had a, a, a footballing career, including with clubs like Rot-Weiss Oberhausen, who I saw on the 1st of July, uh, and uh, playing against Erstefte uh, Mülheim, um, and also Erstefte Bocholt, which I remember from the Zweite Bundesliga, second Bundesliga, back in the 1980s, I think it was. Um, and, uh, well, Holger, I believe you also played for Vancouver Whitecaps uh, in Canada, right? So, Holger Osiek, welcome to the podcast, and thank you so much for your time today. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Fantastic. Um, so, Holger, um, we're going to do a show about the Bundesliga, looking at the 23-24 season ahead and um, trying to make some um, forecasts about the teams that are playing in the Bundesliga, what your opinions are about who will be playing at the top uh, for the Meister to, to be champions, and also uh, which teams are likely to be drawn into the relegation uh, for Zweite Bundesliga, but also explore um, some other themes, namely your own career and also the um, looking at Germany right now as well, the challenges of Germany, the national team and, um, you know, some of the results. Um, so um, why don't we start, Holger, um, by talking about um, your own career. So um, talk to me about uh, about your own career. So how did you come to be in football? Well, actually, uh, the reason uh, mostly was my, my father, and uh, he got me into the game, and so I started uh, at the age of 10, and, uh, you know, in those days, uh, um, we didn't have any E or F uh, youth like uh, they have today, so they start already pretty early at six or seven years old, and um, it was uh, prohibited then because uh, um, there were some, some issues regarding health and uh, People thought uh, if you start uh, regular football, competitive football, it would be too early. So um, the, the uh, age limit was uh, um, 10. And uh, then uh, after um, mm -hmm. um, after we moved from, from uh, Duisburg, uh, where I was born, Homburg, Duisburg, yes. we moved, uh, we moved uh, to Gelsenkirchen and then I joined uh, Eintracht Gelsenkirchen. I played there until... Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the first team we uh, then played in the uh, Regionalliga, which was actually the second division mm -hmm. below below uh, the Bundesliga. So, and uh, I made my first step there, and uh, then later on uh, I changed uh, clubs. And uh, you already mentioned uh, the various clubs, and uh, I finished uh, then uh, my playing days uh, in North America, playing for the Whitecaps with some. Uh, very interesting uh, encounters, in particular when I consider the, uh, the, the people I had to play against. Uh, we played the Cosmos uh, with Franz Beckenbauer, Pelé, and uh, Carlos Alberto. And um, George Best, he played for LA Estex, uh, that was their name. Today uh, they have a different name. Then uh, mm -hmm. Gordon Banks, he played in goal for Fort Lauderdale. So, uh, a lot of big names, uh, in particular from, from British football. So that was uh, quite an experience. And um, I really uh, cherish uh, my memories of that. That's an incredible, incredible career. So you're really a son of the Ruhrgebiet. Um, you, you grew up just, uh, just uh, 
not far from Dortmund. Uh, and so, yeah, you, uh, you, you went to see some games uh, as a child uh, in, in Dortmund. Um, and uh, as you were saying before the show, um, you, you, uh, so you got to meet Pelé and also George Best as well, personally? Yes. Quite, quite amazing people, very friendly, mm-hmm. very approachable, and uh, they were so good. And uh, I mean, I, re- I recall even uh, one one uh, game we played the Tampa uh, Rowdies, and uh, they had uh, Rodney Marsh in it. He was a fantastic dribbler. Yep. And um, see, playing as defender, mm-hmm. um, I was running in circles <laughs> first half, <laughs> unbelievable. So, uh, and then the second half, I don't know what happened in halftime. Maybe he had a couple of drinks or so. <laughs> he was not not on the pitch anymore, and we finally could win that game. So, another great experience and uh, great memory of uh, my, my stays in uh, North America. Yeah. Actually, it's incredible, Holger, how, how our, our lives uh, all intertwine on this planet because um, – I um, I met Rodney Marsh at uh, the pub which they used to have off the King's Road in Chelsea in London, the Feeney Arms, right. and he used to have that pub with uh, George Best, and uh, I used to go to that pub sometimes, a really nice pub, and as you said, he loved to have a few beers. Yeah, I think that was a perfect combination, them, uh, them two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really great. <laughs> Really cool, and um, and you uh, and you, you you played against Pelé. Um, in your experience, yeah. would you say that Pelé was as good as Messi or Neymar or Ronaldo, um, or even better? Well, I, I think uh, whenever you you compare uh, people, um, you you come to the right point because uh, they are all great individuals. Uh, they are all great representatives of the game. And each of them had his uh, special abilities. And, uh, well, I, I would not say that one was better than the other, but um, they are all out or were all outstanding players. And uh, as I said, uh, it's always very tough uh, to compare, in particular when you consider they played in, in different uh, time areas and uh, when the game was a little bit different and uh, the, the game over the years has changed a lot, in particular when you go uh, to uh, the defensive setup. But uh, I mean, the individual class of Pelé was uh, probably second to none. Mm, okay. What, what, what okay. was it that's so, what that's so unique? Was it his vision or was it his... Um, uh, what was yeah, it? First of all, uh, his, his individual, individual skill, uh, the way he uh, handled the ball, uh, the way he dribbled to the quick steps and uh, unpredictable uh, moves. And, uh, of course, um, his finish was fantastic. He had a, a powerful shot. And, uh, mm-hmm. well, I mean, uh, whenever you, you uh, talk in uh, superlatives, uh, then uh, mm-hmm. you have to, to uh, uh, give it to Pelé. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, um, I mean, obviously these are extraordinary characters that a lot of people would love to have um, have, have met. Uh, Gordon Banks sadly died a couple of years ago, I remember. And actually, yeah. Gordon Banks died uh, at the same time when Hans Tilkowski died, which was just right. incredible because I was interviewing um, Horst Bertram. Maybe you remember Horst Bertram. The- yeah, yeah, I know. Um, I, I played against him, so <laughs> I remember Yeah. Anyway, I interviewed Horst, who died about uh, three weeks ago, I think, three, four weeks ago. Oh, I didn't know that. That's really sad to hear. So. Yeah, it's it's sad. Um, an incredibly cool guy. I really enjoyed talking with him. Um, a really cool guy. And, uh, yeah, he um, he was telling me about um, about his friendship with Hans Tilkowski. And, um, and so, yeah, it was really fascinating to hear that connection. Um, talking about your, your own career yourself, um, I, I guess as a former uh, coach of Australia national team, you've been following the, uh, the Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand recently? Yeah, well, uh, more or less because um, uh, the, the uh, transmission was uh, early in the morning and uh, I still had to... Uh, something else uh, on my schedule that I couldn't follow uh, all the games. But uh, um, I had a certain affinity uh, to to, uh, Japan as well because uh, their coach used to be my player when I coached uh, Urawa. And uh, so I was, of course, interested. And uh, maybe uh, evenings uh, I saw the summary of uh, the various games. But I was very happy about uh, 
the uh, performance of the Matildas, you know, that's the name of the yes. Australian women's team. And uh, so we'll see how it goes in the semi-final. Huh? Maybe with their, their fighting spirit, uh, they, they are so committed. And uh, I mean, football-wise, they, they are not bad either. So so we'll see. They're they, um, going to give, uh, I think it's England, the player. Yeah, and, uh, they're gonna give them uh, a hard time. I'm pretty sure. So we were talking about, uh, I think, um, uh, Futoshi Ikeda as the yeah, coach. Futoshi Ikeda, that's his name. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Japan, an extraordinary uh, experience for you, and also you went on to win the Asian Champions League with the Aroa Diamonds, Red Diamonds, right. indeed. Red, yeah, red diamonds. Yes. Yeah, yeah. H- how important is this World Cup um, uh, for Australia and football in general? Also for the men's game, do you think that it can reignite the A League interest in the A League in Australia? And uh, what was your experience really of uh, working in Australia um, in Australian football? <laughs> well, I don't know whether um, uh, the the success in women's football will have an impact on on. Uh, uh, men's football, <clears throat> that is, um, I think, a different pair of shoes. But um, the sure. enthusiasm uh, all over and uh, that uh, the positive attitude towards uh, the game, that should definitely help um, the men's uh, side as well. When when uh, the women, maybe they, they even uh, uh, get a little bit more success, that should reflect on the entire football uh, scenery in Australia. Yeah, yeah, and um, and uh, do you do you think that the World Cup has been a big success so far? Yeah, I think so. And um, uh, look, look at uh, the the audiences and uh, the number of spectators is uh, simply fantastic. Hmm. What's uh, what's your view about the the future of um, of uh, football um, in uh, in in Australia? Is it does it have the potential to become a very important sport, or will it always remain a small minority sport? Do you think? Well, I mean, uh, the the approach in Australia is still a little, little bit different, and uh, if if uh, football or let's say soccer, they call it soccer there, uh, will become the major sport. I'm not really sure about because the t- uh, traditional sports uh, like Aussie football or cricket or so or rugby um, they they uh, are still still uh, ahead of, of um, let's say um, the consideration of football being being a dominant sport. Mm-hmm. The numbers the numbers have increased, of course, but still um, in in that way. Um, the Aussies are pretty conservative and, and uh, stick to their uh, regular sports uh, that yes. have been uh, in, in the focus over centuries. Yeah, like um, the Aussie rules and, and rugby and cricket and so on. Exactly, yeah. 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 Um, how was it living in Australia? Um, was it a pleasurable experience for you? Well, I enjoyed it. Uh, I, um, I lived in Manly, so that's uh, on the other side of Sydney. And when I uh, had to Beautiful. go to the office... I went there by ferry boat, and uh, it was so picturesque. And uh, then you passed by some some smaller islands, uh, or in in the uh, harbor area. It was always fantastic. So when I went to to my office, uh, it felt like being on holidays. Fantastic. And and I, but I I loved uh, the lifestyle. I loved uh, the people, and um, <clears throat> they're good. They're very hospitable and. Uh, no, it, it was uh, quite an experience, and uh, I'm very happy and, and fortunate uh, that I uh, can look back at a very nice and, and successful time. Absolutely incredible. From Australia, we can easily make the jump to Urawa Red Diamonds working in Japan, and your biggest success, arguably, 2007 AFC Asian Champions League winners. Um, I would imagine that that has to count as your biggest highlight, although you also won the Turkish Cup in 97 with Kocheli Spor. Have I pronounced it correctly? Kocheli. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, Japan, uh, that must have been quite an amazing thing. I had uh, Lota Huba, maybe you remember him. Uh, he played yeah, for Borussia yeah, Dortmund. I had him as a guest on the show, and he also played in Japan as well. Um, and at the end of his career, as did Pierre Litbarski as well. And yeah, they um, played for Jeff United, I think. 
Yeah, and also um, Lukas Podolski as well. Yeah, yeah. He, he played, uh, uh, I think, in Kobe, yeah? Visra Kobe. Yeah, yeah. And what, what was it like uh, working with Japanese players? I feel that Jap Japan, yeah. especially in the World Cup, they put on a really brave performance, the men, um, yeah. uh, managing to beat Germany as well. And also, um, again, the women's team, I actually saw them being able to win the World Cup, but... Uh, Uh, unfortunately, not the Swedish are just too strong. I think it was Sweden, if I'm not mistaken, that they. Yeah, yeah it was Sweden. Yes, yeah. yes. They have a wonderful team right now. <clears throat> so, uh, what's your um, what's uh, what was your impression of working in Japan? What was the difference uh, to working in Germany? Let's say. Well, actually, uh, I had uh, two spells in Japan, uh, two spells with the Rivalry Diamonds. The first one was '95, uh, '96. So it was uh, shortly after um, the uh, J-League uh, had been installed. So uh, in those days, um, the, uh, the, first of all, the number yes. of foreigners had been limited. I had uh, uh, three uh, German players, Uwe Bein and Buchwald from, from the German national team, and uh, Michael Rummenigge, he's uh, well known in Dortmund. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the three foreigners. And um, so... And, <clears throat> Uh, the society and, and uh, entire lifestyle in, in Japan was a little bit different. People were a little bit uh, shy against foreigners, and uh, although uh, they they were very uh, friendly and uh, tried to be uh, accommodative, but uh, still you could see, um, yeah, there was a, a little bit of uh, yeah, let's call it respect. Uh, I don't don't want to call it uh, fear or so, but uh, um, you had to get close to them, and it took some time, and uh, they had to to realize uh, that uh, sure. we have a diff different, uh, uh, let's say, uh, uh, adjustment uh, to the game, and uh, well, and, and uh, when when uh, you let's say uh, are not happy here in, in uh, Germany, you let uh, players know, say, what are you doing there, and uh, and uh, you had to be very cautious in Japan. So uh, you you could insult them very quickly. So it was a, a great learning experience for me as a coach. Mm -hmm. And um, so and I was definitely dependent on my <laughs> interpreter. And um, then he, of course, uh, said uh, things uh, in a very friendly uh, way. So uh, that uh, <laughs> your your initial way uh, that you probably yeah. would have expressed yourself yeah. uh, had been, uh, let's say. Uh, Uh, yeah, a little bit more mild. Yes. And um, the second one, uh, I was there in 2007 and uh, eight, and that was a time when uh, football in Japan has matured a lot. Players became uh, a lot more self-confident, and uh, a lot of them uh, uh, spoke English. So communication had become a lot easier. Mm -hmm. And um, in in the meantime. After the World Cup in 2002, um, the entire situation in, in Japan had changed, and uh, it had become more and more professional. Mm. So, and uh, therefore, when I look back, it was quite an interesting uh, experience. Starting, let's say, in the infancy of, of uh, the J League, and then when uh, everything had been uh, settled already, being more yeah. matured and stuff. Yeah, that was pretty, pretty interesting. Pretty amazing. For for Europeans, how can we imagine the Asian Champions League? Is it very similar to the uh, to the European Champions League? Well, I mean, you don't don't have uh, the top teams uh, like you have in Europe, uh, like Real Madrid and, and uh, um, let's say PSG or whoever you you, you or Liverpool and, and Man United or so. But uh, um, I think. Uh, um, The, the competition is pretty tough, in particular when you consider there is a lot of travel. Mm -hmm. You see, um, you, you played in, in uh, Western Asia against uh, the Arab countries like Saudi or whatever, UAE, mm -hmm. and then you played uh, the, the uh, Eastern uh, Asian countries like Korea and China, yeah. and uh, then there's uh, different, different playing conditions and different climatical co uh, conditions. Wow. And uh, I think it, it's pretty tough. 
and uh, to win it, of course, um, as I said, uh, performance-wise, you don't have a Messi or players like that, but um, you have decent players. And uh, when I look at uh, <clears throat> the situation in Germany now, how many Japanese players now settled in the Bundesliga and perform well mm-hmm. and uh, go to other countries in, in Europe, even England or France or so, um, there's a lot of uh, Japanese players now mm-hmm. and uh, who, who really make their mark there. Yeah, like Daichi Kamada, for example, at Frankfurt, who's been really fantastic. And it's a great yeah. shame to see him leaving uh, the Bundesliga. Uh, also, Shinji Kagawa at Dortmund uh, made a made a big impression. I believe that yeah. in Japan, his name would be Kagawa Shinji, right? Not Shinji Kagawa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's correct. So they called you o- Osik Holger? No, no. They, they called me Kantaku, which is uh, the expression for, for coach or Taking director or whatever. Amazing. So, but always in a very uh, modest uh, way. Yeah. yeah. And um, how does the uh, the win of the Asian Champions League uh, in your career uh, compare to, um, for example, um, winning the Concaf Gold Cup or the Turkish Cup? I mean, which which one would you say is your greatest achievement? Um, we'll come to Germany national team in a moment because there's no doubt, there's yeah. no question that that was. Uh, an absolute lifetime highlight, which no, almost no, well, very few people will ever get to achieve. So, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, um, whenever you win a major trophy, it's a, a special achievement. And uh, you have to look uh, at um, the then conditions. And uh, it was all different. When I uh, was able to win the Gold Cup with Canada, the CONCACAF Championship, so we were the complete underdog and we had to play uh, Mexico and uh, in those days uh, Trinidad Tobago they, they had a decent team so we had to uh, to to uh, play then uh, the yes. the invited team was Colombia in, in the final that's what they did in CONCACAF and uh, they had some some international stars and um, i think um, we didn't have uh, so many so many big names some uh, some of my guys they they played in in England, Nottingham Forest, or even in Scotland, Dundee United, and so. Mm-hmm. And uh, but um, we were a, a tough unit to 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 beat uh, as a team. Mm-hmm. And uh, whereas uh, with Urava, then uh, we we had a decent uh, potential player wise, and mm-hmm. uh, had some some Brazilian. Players who, who made a difference, in particular uh, Robbie Ponte, who is uh, maybe known in Germany, played for Bayer Leverkusen and in Wolfsburg, mm-hmm. and he was an outstanding uh, playmaker. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, a guy, if he was fit today, he still would be playing on all the top level. Huh? So, mm-hmm. and, and it was fun, fun to to work with those people. And uh, as I said, it was was different with all the travel. We had to to play in Iran and oh. God, it was incredible. We, we couldn't we couldn't stay there. We had to to to, to spend uh, uh, two nights before the game in the UAE, and then we moved over. And right after the game, we we had to move back. And uh, I don't know what the, the background was, but uh, it was not not easy to to uh, really be focused and, and to, to perform well. Yeah, fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. So, I mean, um, obviously, uh, a, a very big part of your career in terms of achievements was uh, was moving to the German national team setup. Indeed, I was reading about your time there in a book um, uh, by Rafa Honigstein uh, just a couple of days ago. And um, it was interesting because I believe that you were being considered for the uh, head coach position before Jürgen Klinsmann got it, right? Or was it 2000? Yeah, that was, that was in 2004, yes. Yeah. And um, was it a big loss for you not getting the, the, the job uh, with Jürgen Klinsmann getting the job? <laughs> no, I mean, um, you have to look at conditions uh, those days. I just uh, started my job uh, with FIFA. I was a technical director in charge of uh, international programs, development, coaches, uh, youth development, etc. I had just Amazing. started. And uh, then, then uh, I got the call from, from uh, the DFB um, whether I would be interested. And um, 
Um, well, I was not convinced because I committed to, to the DFB, uh, to, 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 to uh, the FIFA, and um, I, I didn't really feel like uh, quitting there and then moving back to Germany, although it had been a, a big challenge, and uh, in particular, I knew uh, Jürgen uh, from, from uh, his playing days. Uh, I remember he played his uh, first game in uh, 87 when we had a, a trip to South America. Mm. He was a very young, um, ambitious uh, striker, and then uh, later on he became one of the leading guys uh, in the World Cup and had an excellent career internationally um, in, in uh, Inter and then in, in, in Spurs. Mm. And then he, he also played in, in Monaco. So it was a very special, special character and, and uh, outstanding guy. But, um, I mean, the way it, it turned out to be was not, not bad, neither for him nor for me. He uh, was successful there and I did a decent job there. So everything was happy. Absolutely incredible. You worked with Franz Beckenbauer, often referred to as De Kaiser. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, um, I mean, basically the Italia 90, for me personally, it's my favorite World Cup. Um, I think that Italy does football beautifully. And uh, I remember so well this uh, Pavarotti, you know, the music, Nessun Dorma, Pavarotti. Right. And also the incredible English national team. But obviously as an England fan, I was really impressed by that team of uh, players like Butcher and Pierce and uh, Gary Lineker, Paul Gascoigne and so on. Um, for me, in terms of team spirit, that was the best England team that I've seen um, during my lifetime. Um, a special highlight, of course, being the semi-final against Germany. Um, but can you talk to me about the um, 1990 uh, Italy World Cup? Uh, what was your experience of the World Cup? Uh, and um, yeah, and what did you think of the England team at the time? Were England good enough to maybe have won the cup? Absolutely. Uh, I just can underline that it, it had been a fantastic team uh, with a lot of outstanding players. And um, looking back uh, at the semi-final, it could have gone either way. Uh, and um, it, it uh, went on penalties. And uh, okay, we were a little bit more maybe determined in the penalties. And, and uh, England, uh, they... they uh, lost two shots, and Pierce and, and Chris Warner. And that's the irony of the game. A couple of weeks later, when France and I went to, to Olympic Marseille, Chris yes. Warner became our player. Yes. <laughs> so, Incredible. And of course, um, there was a lot of teasing after, you can imagine, <laughs> when we got together. But yeah. he, Chris, such a fantastic guy. I, know I, I really have very good memories of him. And an excellent player. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was an absolutely incredible game. What is it as a as a uh, former coach of German national team? What is it that makes the Germans uh, so good in penalties? Do you think? Do you practice it more than us, or do you um, do you simply? Uh, how does it work? Well, actually, uh, you you can't really practice penalties because. Um, if you are in the situation and uh, you're in a penalty shootout, the pressure is different. And uh, so, so um, well, you can never predict it. But um, what I think uh, is important, the determination. When you go to the ball, you are convinced you hit it in. And mm -hmm. that was uh, basically uh, the attitude of our guys. Uh, don't don't uh, mess around with a step forward, step sideways or so. They went to the ball hit it and uh, very strong and uh, uh, so so even even when the, the keeper may guess which corner the ball might go in um, when you, you really hit it strong then uh, there's uh, probably only a little chance for him to, to save the ball and uh, that was maybe uh, one secret yeah incredible now time for a short announcement if you love Borussia Dortmund why not join us for a live game and have a couple of Dortmund Union beers at the Stamtich meetup of the official Borussia Dortmund fan club in London? We meet on match days at the Fitzroy Wine Cellar on Cleveland Street. For more details, head to our Facebook page or give us a call on 07459-394-121. And now, back to the show.
Um, obviously, as a B4B uh, podcast, we would love to talk a little bit about um, some of the B4B players. Um, I had Thomas Helmer on the interview uh, here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yeah. Really a uh, fantastic guy, really, really cool guy to talk to. I really enjoyed the conversation. Very humble person, I felt. He's also an Ostwestfaler uh, from Bielefeld area. From oh, Bielefeld, yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, um, I uh, I would be interested to talk a little bit about um, some of the Dortmund players, uh, uh, Thomas Hessler um, and also Stefan Reuter, Jürgen Kohler. Um, do you have any special stories about Matthias Sammer also or Knut Reinhardt, uh, the uh, Kalle Riedle or Frank Mill, the, the BVB Jungs in that time, in the team, in the national team of Germany? Yeah, well... Uh the last ones you mentioned, um, they were part of the national team anyway, and uh, we uh, just had our reunion of the uh, 1990 team. We um, had a get-together in uh, Bavaria, Great. and uh, of course, um, these guys were there, Stefan, uh, Frank Mill, and, uh, and uh, Kalle Riedle. Yeah. Unfortunately, Kohler couldn't make it. But it, it's nice to be together, and, and uh, then uh, we, we don't just talk about football. There's a lot of uh, nonsense going on. And yeah. It's really nice, and, and uh, that is an indication that uh, nothing has uh, really changed because looking back at our situation in the World Cup, um, the harmony within the team was extraordinary. And uh, considering uh, many, many uh, facts that, uh, first of all, we uh, just had 22, not 26 uh, players like they have today. Mm-hmm. Then uh, only uh, five players were allowed to, to sit on the bench. Yeah. So uh, six players had to sit uh, in the stands. And um, that was um, quite a challenge because they were all top-class players and everybody <coughs> was probably ready to be in the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. And uh, But... but um, we, we had our, our uh, let's say, first 11 for, for a number of reasons. But uh, whenever uh, yes. some player uh, was, was out uh, because of injury or, or like Woody Feller uh, yes. because of his uh, red card against uh, Holland, uh, then the others had to be there. And then uh, whenever yes. uh, Kalle Riedle came on, he did his job and he, he scored a penalty against England. Uh, and uh, so, so what else can you ask for? Unfortunately, Frank Mill didn't have a game, but uh, all these guys they were so positive, and there was no real envy and say, "Oh, why is he doing that?" And mm-hmm. he's sitting there, and so. And um, I think um, that was uh, the secret of uh, our success: the the overall team spirit and um, the feeling that uh, everybody is important, although not playing. That was probably the key for everything. That's very interesting because um, I did an interview with uh, Bert van Marwijk, who I guess you remember, uh, the Holland coach, and he was saying the same thing about uh, how um, the key is to keep the guys who are not playing still involved and happy and engaged with the team spirit, as you say. And um, when um, a player I would like to ask about is Andreas Müller, how good was Andy Müller really on the ball? I mean, to me, he seemed like an incredible player somehow. Well, I mean, uh, on the ball, he was excellent and he had a tremendous acceleration with the ball. Yeah. Uh, when he, he uh, sprinted off, or he gained so much uh, space and uh, it was really uh, tough to stop him. Yeah. And uh, he was another one uh, in, 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 in uh, the World Cup squad who had excellent talent, but um, he he didn't play too much. I think he came on as sub twice, mm-hmm. and, but but uh, he, he never moaned or was unhappy. He accepted, mm-hmm. uh, although he was a very young player then. Uh, and then, uh, you, you know, in, in the team, we had our hierarchy. There were the, the, the uh, leading guys like uh, Mateus, mm-hmm. Feller, Barsky and so and, and uh, I think uh, a good team needs a sound hierarchy. If yes. that happens and everybody knows his position, knows his role, then you can be successful. I can absolutely see where you're coming from with that, and I think that's one of the problems: is the team spirit, but also the um, the lack of hierarchy and the lack of understanding as well with many different languages nowadays being spoken right, in right. clubs. Um, I was interviewing. Um, Massimo Mariotti, who was the club interpreter at B4B, 
and uh, he yeah. speaks like five languages and he was talking about the challenges of integrating and keeping everybody involved and so on. Um, right. I personally, um, as anybody who's ever spoken to me knows, I'm a huge fan of German football in the 80s and 90s. Um, okay, so you had bad moments like uh, Batiston and Schumacher, uh, which was a, mem- a bad memory. But on the other hand, you also had these incredible guys like Kalle Rummenigge or Andreas Bremer um, who, uh, or Jürgen Kohler indeed, who are just the kind of German player that uh, you, know, you hardly see anymore. Um, why do you think it is that Germany doesn't produce guys like, um, like that anymore? Um, uh, somehow the younger generation of players are not really... They're not really of the same, uh, uh, yeah, of same sort of capacity. I think of guys like Andy Bremer uh, and, um, and or even Jürgen Kohler, Klaus Augenthaler. They were they were very special players of a special time. Yeah. They had a certain uh, discipline, yeah. mentality, and uh, strength and real power. I think uh, that's how I felt. Uncompromising. They were very uncompromising. Also, Kalle Rummenigge as a, as a striker. Uh, just um, incredible, really, um, you know. Well, I can, can uh, just underline uh, your words, and uh, that is my, my opinion as well. And uh, those were special characters. Uh, they were so committed, uh, tough guys, and uh, they, they knew uh, their job. And uh, defenders, first of all, had to defend and then take part in, in, in uh, uh, let's say, the build-up of the play. Today, everybody wants to pass the ball about and then tries to build up and uh, should uh, uh, rather focus on, on their initial job. Right. And um, that had been uh, a trend from my observation, yes. although I'm not too close to, to uh, the overall development, that uh, they, in quotation mark, they try to play football. Even in, in pressure right. situation, they try to play out. Even uh, lesser talented players try to play it out. In particular, uh, with a new rule that uh, the goalkeeper can pass right. the ball inside the penalty area. So sometimes it makes me sick when I see it. Yeah. Often, when you're under pressure, then hoof a long ball and follow up and then... Uh, set uh, the, the, the opponent under pressure. So, so when you are down the halfway line or so, then there's a long way back to your own goal. So but right. when you pass the ball within the uh, 16-yard box and then the the, 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 the other team uh, right. gives you pressure, then right. you lose the ball and pop, it happens. Yeah. And that is what I can't understand. But may, maybe I'm, I'm too old-fashioned, uh, but I, I, I don't care, you see. It's this my conviction, it. and I, I think uh, just to play out again, it's good to play nice football, and you you cannot always uh, copy the style of uh, Guardiola or so. Yes. He has his, uh, his individual attitude approach, uh, but you cannot copy. You you always got to be your own person. You got to be authentic. And then uh, if yeah. you try to, to, to imitate, then you are on the wrong track. Yeah. So sorry, but I get a little bit excited now. You're all right, Holger. <laughs> it's fantastic to hear your enthusiasm. And you're talking about a very important era in your life as well, uh, and also very important characters as well. What, what I see there is um, my, my own experience. I played just Kreisliga uh, with Fortuna Do- uh, Dorstfeld and uh, Tuss Wandhof and some small teams in the Dortmund area. and. Right. Uh, and uh, and also here in England as well. And um, I remember very well that as a left back, um, uh, I always had to just stay back and hold my position and don't get too involved. But I had to be there when the moment is right for me to uh, to do my work, you know. And so I see what you mean about this positional discipline and um, maintaining uh, your your you know discipline above all, you know, um, which is a a real a quality of English and German football traditionally. Um, whereas nowadays everybody wants to run around and move around like a Brazilian, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, I, I don't think uh, that is appropriate and uh, maybe people in charge, they should reconsider, um, I mean, people in charge of development. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you, you, you cannot, cannot uh, tell every coach uh, what to do because uh, every coach has his... Uh, personal approach to the game mm. and um, that is that is okay but uh, in in, in uh, let's say the, the learning or educational period then uh, you you must uh, probably uh, 
focus on, on uh, well, uh, main characteristics that uh, later on, I mean, uh, later on you, you can, can have the freedom of expression, for instance, mm -hmm. uh, but only on the basic of your proper job. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that talks a lot about society in general nowadays. Everybody thinks yeah. they can do everything, but in fact, they, they can't do anything half the time. And it is a very big problem. And I think, uh, as you say, a team full of specialists who are humble and respectful, that's the best possible outcome. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Talk to me, um, before we come on to the situation with Germany, I would be very interested to hear your views about the Germany DFB situation and the challenges ahead of the Euro 2024 championship. Um, what kind of uh, guy was, uh, for example, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge um, as a person? Because uh, uh, he's a Lippstädter, so he's a Lippstädter, so he's coming from Westfalen, like yourself. I also grew up in Dortmund for, for almost 10 years. So there's something nice like about people like Hermann Gerland as well, very uh, bodenständig, uh, Ruhrgebiet people. But um, <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe that's what makes Kalle uh, such a special guy, would you say? Or what kind of person is he for those of us who will never have the chance to meet him? Yeah, well, of course, uh, I met him a couple of times, sure. But um, I mean, uh, that is exactly uh, spot on what you just uh, described. Uh, um, where you come from, what you have got in your genes, and uh, that's uh, this kind of humbleness and, and commitment. Um, yeah, that is uh, essential in order to really make it big in the game. Um, yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. And just talking about Der Kaiser, Franz Beckenbauer, I know his health hasn't been too good recently, and please pass on uh, my our compliments from, from the Dortmund fan club, one of the German fans communities in England to 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 France when you speak to him, um, but um, a wonderful football player. I'm looking forward to, uh, to read his biography. Um, but do tell me, um, working with France, I mean, what uh, what can you say about that? Because obviously you knew him from the states already from MLS. You have a long history of uh, of knowing Franz Beckenbauer, right? Also as a player, I guess. Yeah, well, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I was very fortunate uh, that um, I uh, got uh, into the position next to him. And, um, uh, you, you know, uh, in, in uh, 84, the German team had a poor showing in the European Championship. Yes. The then coach, uh, Jupp Derva, he uh, got released and he went to Turkey. Mm -hmm. And then uh, France became uh, the top guy of uh, German national team, mm. and um, then um, first um, he worked with Horst Köppel, you know him from, from Dortmund as Absolutely. well. Absolutely, yes, Horst Köppel, he won us the uh, 1989 uh, DFB yeah, yeah. yeah, He was my teammate in, in Vancouver as well, so uh, really I know cool. him pretty well. Really cool. Uh, and and um, so and after the World Cup, um, he got an offer probably from Bayer Uerdingen, so he left uh, the DFB. And uh, the position uh, was vacant. And uh, during our time together with uh, by the DFB, Franz uh, obviously had some some uh, good impression of me. And he asked me, "Sure, do you th you think uh, you you can can join me for the national team?" And he he had hardly said that. <laughs> I said, yeah. "What are you talking about? Of course." <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And uh, no, so and it, it worked so well. Our, our cooperation and collaboration was great, and uh, even even uh, as human beings, uh, we had a great understanding. You, know, right. you could even say we we uh, developed uh, a real friendship, and uh, so that uh, continued after we left the German FA and and uh, went together to to Olympic Marseille. Yeah. So France, uh, and uh, I mean, uh, he was was uh, such an outstanding. Character not only uh, from from uh, his uh, football uh, performance as a player or his personality, he was approachable to everybody. He of course he had a great knowledge of the game. He knew what uh, what to do, what to say, and uh, he had the respect of all players. And you know, players are at times pretty critical, mm -hmm. but no one ever uh, dared to question him. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he was a, he was a unique person. Mm. No, it, he was no he was no person. He was a personality. Personality, uh, and yeah. and uh, that's quite a different. And uh, mm. no, and, and uh, it was an honor for me to to uh, work with him and uh, 
it was a great time and uh, I got uh, so much from my uh, later um, coaching life um, from from our, our um, corporation so it was, was so so beneficiary to me no I, I'm so grateful that uh, that it happened I must say that Absolutely incredible. Um, they say that you were, in fact, the coach of Germany because France didn't have the badge, the coaching badge, the UEFA yeah. license. So, in fact, it was you who was the coach of Germany. Yeah, well, I mean, that was uh, uh, the formal uh, aspect. I did my job as a coach, of course, but, uh, you, you know, in, in, in England, um, you, you have a different expression. You have the manager and the coach. Yes, that's right. Uh, and and um, there, that's what, what happened there, that uh, Franzi was the manager and I was the coach of the team. Absolutely. Looking at Germany now, um, some beautiful, beautiful insights. Looking at Germany now, um, I'm going to be very straight and say that I'm personally pretty disappointed as a fan of the German national team. I had the honor to play for the fan club, die Nationalmannschaft, the fan team of the DFB, against England. Yeah in München last summer, and uh, it was incredible to wear the Germany shirt. I never thought I would have that honor. Um, but um, I guess I've been a fan club president for a German team for 11 years now, so they gave me that chance. But um, tell me, uh, I mean, the German national team, they dropped out of the World Cup in the first round, the men's team, for the last two tournaments. Um, and um, also this summer we saw the Titelverteidiger, uh, the champ, the uh, the title holders, the Antonio Di Salva's under 21 team, also uh, failing to uh, defend their title. And then we saw the ladies team also dropping out in the first round. As a former coach of Germany, how does that make you feel to see that um, in the last sort of? Uh, years since winning the glorious World Cup of 2014, which was maybe, and again, you could give your opinion, maybe one of the greatest German teams ever. Yeah, well, actually, in particular, when you consider the semi-final against uh, Brazil, 7-1 in their country, that was uh, un unbelievable. Right? It was like a fairy tale. Huh? But, um, I mean, coming back to the first uh, part of your question, Yes, um, in, in uh, recent tournaments, uh, there had been uh, uh, the success uh, that we had um, in, in former years. Um, I'm, I'm not an insider anymore. Um, what happens in the team and, and uh, why uh, the, the, the performance is not uh, like, like uh, it used to be. So um, I'm, I'm not in the position to, to criticize here, and I, I don't want to do it. Uh, but... Um, Actually, what happened in following those, uh, let's say, call it uh, yes. yeah, negative results, um, that uh, the, the standing of the national team in public has suffered a lot. So uh, yes. they, they uh, lost a lot of credit. And um, so then it remains to be seen. The, the World Cup is uh, coming up very quickly so there's uh, hardly any time yes and if you don't get the, the team together the right group and you focus now uh, on a nucleus uh, that, that really can make it uh, then then uh, the, the overall atmosphere won't be too positive yeah and um, I mean, uh, you you cannot uh, snap your finger uh, like like you switch on a, on a light and say, okay, now we are in our home competition and uh, everybody has to cheer us up. Or so that doesn't work. Yeah. Huh? So so have, they have to to regain the the, the support of um, football public again. Yeah. That's a fact. For the European Championships, the UEFA European Championships of 2024 exactly. in Germany. Exactly. I was at the 2006 World Cup in Germany. I guess you were too. And it was an yeah. absolutely splendid experience. I mean, the whole country right. was enjoying football and we had a great, great time. I remember traveling by train on the morning to some games with fans and people traveling to work with their you know, work clothes and they would talk to us and ask us which games we went to and stuff like that. And it was just a more open, uh, engaging, friendly Germany, I felt. It was. Uh, I have to, to, to underline that because uh, in, in, during that tournament, I was still in my uh, function as a uh, The technical director for FIFA. I was in charge of uh, the technical uh, study group that uh, analyzed uh, the games and uh, that uh, 
set up uh, the the uh, mm-hmm. tournament report, and so we had some some uh, illustrious uh, uh, people in our group, like uh, Roy Hodgson, for instance, or Dr. Wenglos from Czechoslovakia. And so okay. No, it was 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 really great, and uh, so so I enjoyed it myself because in in uh, this function <coughs> I had to travel a lot and. Uh, I saw many games and traveled from from uh, city to city, and um, the atmosphere that you uh, just described was absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, it was a lovely and, uh, atmosphere. In my my uh, later uh, jobs, Australia or Japan or so, whenever you talk to people, they knew I was from Germany. They said, "Well, that was the best World Cup ever." Yeah, really lovely experience. Yeah, amazing. Really good. I was at the um, game between uh, France and uh, Spain in Hannover, and then in the yeah. quarterfinal, I think it was Brazil against France in Frankfurt. And uh, yeah, I had a great time just moving around. Um, yeah. Um, what do you feel um, looking at the Euro 2024? I'm, I'm absolutely sure that as long as the Deutsche Bahn. Uh, play their part, uh, <laughs> and, the, and the trains are working fine in Germany and punctually. Um, it's going to be a great, uh, well-organized tournament in 2024. Um, and um, but um, would you feel that um, Germany doesn't have a, a very talented side at the moment, or is it überschätzen die sich? Are they just a bit too? Thinking in the past, perhaps, we're the four times world champions. I mean, of course, as you said, everybody expects when Germany comes to see the great German team. Um, and But then recently, the last two tournaments, they were, they were playing themselves as if they were a small Asian country rather than a big European nation. Yeah. Well, uh, if, if you uh, take a look at, at the squad, that's um, my, my personal opinion, of course. Uh, well, now Neuer injured, and um, you have Ter Stegen. He does well with Barcelona, so the number one should be okay. Then uh, we had some problems uh, in defense. Yes. There was no real stability. Then uh, you have, uh, uh, ich sag mal, Überangebot. Yeah, too many, just too many players uh, in midfield, yeah. Too, 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 too many, many candidates for midfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them. Uh, similar type of players, mm-hmm. but uh, then when it comes uh, to the forward line, we are we don't have a number nine. Yeah, and uh, we um, on the on the flanks um, they, you have players who can score goals, but um, can they on the international level? Mm-hmm. And uh, when when uh, the, the so-called white players just move inside or the dribble inside and then uh, get in that uh, congested. Uh, uh, defensive area, so mm-hmm. nothing can happen. Mm-hmm. So um, I think uh, the biggest challenge uh, for the coach is uh, to find the right mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, and sometimes uh, he has to make a, a decision that uh, players may be offended, players uh, uh, who think uh, should be part of it and then they are out, but uh, that is part of it. I, I recall in 1990, as I told you, we had a number of excellent players. Everybody could have been a starter, but we had our nucleus of, of uh, players. Mm. And uh, that is that is so important that everybody knows where he stands. And um, that is, uh, as I said, the biggest uh, challenge now for, for Hansi Flick. And uh, I don't know uh, how he's going to handle it. And uh, we'll, we'll see. But uh, first and foremost, I think yes. they have to, to win back uh, the... the uh, um, yeah, support of uh, the, the audience. Yeah, I had a, an interesting case recently where a player from um, a player from a Bezirksliga club moved to a Bundesliga club, and the DFB uh, wrote to the uh, Bezirksliga club that they would get no uh, money for the training. Um, uh, how do you say um, uh, Bildungsaufwand? I'm not sure quite oh, what it is. Yeah, yeah. They wouldn't get any money for that. And for the small club, it was an incredible, as you say, kick in the teeth, you know. And I was I was I was amazed um, at how, um, uh, you know, the the popularity of the DFB has really I mean, um, it's down to a recent poll. Fifteen percent of football fans in Germany um, uh, like the DFB or appreciate the DFB. So, I mean, they've got a new leadership there with Bernd Neuendorf. Neuendorfer, I think it is. 
And um, <clears throat> do you do you feel that uh, what what are the challenges really for the DFB to to I mean they they clearly they have to win the basis foot football you know the clubs at the small pyramid and look at if they're doing enough to support um, the smaller clubs I think but also yeah. there's a, a you know a, a lack of transparency I think and, um, and and certain issues that have arisen that have made a them unpopular, really. Um, uh, it may help, of course, as a Borussia Dortmund fan, I would say that to bring Aki Vatske in. <laughs> of course, we, we, we like Aki Vatske, but I mean, uh, you know, so far his idea of selling the media rights for the DFB, for the DFL, um, hasn't worked because uh, the, the clubs voted it down. Um, do you think it's inevitable that um, the DFB needs to create a new a new uh, plan for, for, for how to move forwards. And uh, is um, Hansi Flick the right guy to lead the national team, in your opinion? Well, um, first of all, I, I would never question uh, any, any colleague of mine. And I, I would never, never criticize anybody. And uh, so, so he probably he knows what to do. And, and, and you know, whatever you do, and you're in the focus of uh, public opinion, and some uh, support yeah. you, some say, oh, he has no clue, what is he doing? You, you know, that is uh, the uh, discrepancy uh, in, in, uh, on that level. And, um, yes. Uh, well, I, I mean, he had been very successful with Bayern. Yes. And um, you, you cannot say he doesn't know football. Yes. Uh, that that would, would be uh, completely unfair and wrong. Yes. But, uh, uh, Coming back to, to uh, the setup in the DFB, the, the uh, president and, and all the different boards and board members, yes. um, I, I don't know them personally anymore. I don't know where they come from. Some are politicians. Yes. And they, they, they know better anyway, although they don't know. But, yes. uh, um, and then uh, I don't know what their plan is uh, in how far they, they are consulted by, by anybody and uh, I mean, they, they tried to bring in Rudi Völler, but yes. he is only uh, occupied with the, with the national team. But uh, they also need a competent uh, person that can can really structure from from uh, from the basics. Yes, and uh, and uh, I don't know um, whether that is in their their uh, consideration or not. I have no clue. Therefore, that is very tough to to make a point here from my side. Yeah, I have to say, I think Hansi Flick. I remember him as a player in Bayern. Um, yeah. And he was a ruthless competitor, a good competitor. And I think that um, maybe the mistake they made was hanging on to Jörgi Löw a bit too long. But it was yeah. an easy yeah. mistake to make given how much success he had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's well, I mean, uh, then, then uh, the, the Euro after the World Cup already was, was a poor showing. Right? It yes. started from there that uh, uh, the, it all went down. Yes, yes. So there's some organizational issues. Uh, and also perhaps to some degree a bit less talent in the current generation of of young players, do you feel? Yeah, well, as I said, uh, look look at the midfield. Uh, they, they are talented. They are good players. Uh, look, Gündogan yes. now uh, plays for Barcelona. Kimmich, he is good. Goretzka, they, they, they are good players. Yeah. But I don't, I, I, I don't know um, in how far um, they, they can fit together, in how far, uh, um, yeah, can can meant this to a team yeah. uh, because uh, the individual quality is given, but um, that is not enough. Yeah, as an observer, Holger um, of international football, um, uh, Harry Kane just recently moved to the Bundesliga, um, but also uh, players like Jaden Sancho, Jude Bellingham have come from England to play in Germany. Um, uh, is there a big I mean, we look at the national team, the women's national team. Now, England are in the semi-final. England made it to the final of the European Championship and also semi-final of the last two World Cups. Um, is England very far ahead in terms of English national team and Premier League than, than German football right now? Well, actually, that is very tough to answer because um, I don't have uh, too much um, inside uh, knowledge into mm -hmm. the the English setup, of course, they produce excellent young players. You just uh, gave the names, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm not not sure why it can't happen in Germany. Uh, that, that's a question that that uh, can't be answered, not for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Do you predict that England could win the World Cup at some point in the next 10 years? Why not? I mean, England always has a great tradition. They always uh, were so competitive. They always had world-class individuals. They were always uh, strong as a unit, as a team. Why shouldn't they win it? Fantastic. Lovely to hear that. Let's come to Bundesliga Saison 2024, the current season, and let's get some predictions from you. Um, so firstly, uh, BVB, obviously. By the way, do you have any nice memory to share of your of going to Borussia Dortmund, Westfalenstadion, or playing there yourself? Yeah, well, uh, it was in the second division. I played uh, with Mülheim in, in uh, the Westfalenstadion. I think it was in, in 74. Yeah, and uh, it was it was great, good crowd between the thirty five and forty thousand. No, that was a really great memory. It was I think it was prior to to the World Cup seventy four. Yeah, <clears throat> when when uh, the Westfalen Stadium had just uh, opened. No, that that was a, a great experience. Did you name the Burkhard Zegler and Lothar Huber? They they played in in in, in those days. So so I remember Horst Bertram, the goalkeeper. So uh, I, I played against uh, that, those guys. Was this and, the two-one uh, win for Mülheim when you won two-one in Dortmund? I think. Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, but I, I can't recall uh, the score. I think one game we lost six 0 one we won two-one. So <laughs> it was outbalanced. <laughs> <laughs> What's um? <laughs> <laughs> What's your? Uh, what do you think that makes BVB special? Um, is there anything that you could add about this club? I mean, it's similar in a way to Schalke, I would say, even if BVB fans don't like to hear that. Yeah, but um, I mean, uh, it's a tradition. It's um, the heritage, and uh, I mean, uh, the city. It's uh, based on industry, and, and, and all those cliches that uh, go into that, and. Uh, I think um, they have a very uh, enthusiastic uh, crowd and uh, great support. So, I mean, and over the years, they had been successful. And uh, although the last couple of years, uh, they, they didn't win the championship, but um, I recall in, in, the, in the 90s, so they, they were the top team in, 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 in Germany. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right. And indeed, with many of the players which you coached for the German national team. So right. coming to conclusion of our show, let's just talk about the season 23-24. Holger, um, who's going to win the title? Well, this time I hope uh, um, BVB will make it because uh, they were pretty close last year. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure um, about Bayern and, um, well, uh, there's a lot of talk, but but you, you know Bayern always used, used to be called uh, uh, Club Hollywood, and uh, well, if if uh, they can't uh, change it, uh, then uh, probably BVB has a fair chance. But uh, some other teams, Bayer Leverkusen with uh, Xabi Alonso, they are a decent team. Absolutely. And, uh, so so I think there may be uh, four or five contenders, but uh, the top top contender to me should be BVB because uh, when when I look at um, their squad, there's uh, so much talent, technical quality, pace, which is so important. And uh, they have, uh, um, let's just say, killers up front. They have Halla and, and uh, the new guy. They know where the goal stands and, and uh, how and to uh, get the ball in. And uh, that is... Um, you see what what uh, is lacking with the German national team. You don't have a real number nine anymore. Yeah, Niklas uh, Fulkrug, if anything. But I mean, it's incredible yeah, to Niklas see. Niklas Fulkrug is maybe the exception. Our, you you shouldn't shouldn't uh, forget. Two years ago, he still played in the second division. Yeah, and, and uh, <clears throat> I, I don't don't want to go too far and and uh, be be insulting or so. But I mean, if um, a player like him already end of twenties or thirty should uh, save a country playing uh, two years ago in a lower division. Um, well, I Absolutely. don't, don't uh, think uh, that's the right approach. No, we're on the but same. But I don't, don't, don't want to be unfair to him. He's doing well. He comes on his course, but he is obviously the only person who can, can uh, do the job up front. We're on the same page. He's no, uh, we talked about Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, Rudi Völler, Lukas Podolski, yeah. um, Gerd Müller. 
these guys are on a different uh, a different level i would say i'm afraid yeah yeah um, who else might be in the mix then for the European places? I think RB Leipzig, they won the Pokal two oh, years yeah, in a row. Sorry, I, I forgot them. Yeah, yeah, of course, they did well. And, and uh, well, I mean, uh, their showing in the Super Cup was, was uh, extraordinary. Uh, they they have some, some excellent individuals. And uh, it looks to me they really grew together as a team. Yes, of course, they are serious contenders as well. At the bottom end of this, of the uh, there's always the relegation. I love this 16th versus third playoff of the Zweite Bundesliga against first Bundesliga. Um, which teams do you see being in the mix? I mean, quite honestly, I would imagine that Heidenheim in their first season in the Bundesliga are going to really struggle. But also, as much as I like Enno Maaßen, the former BVB U23 coach who won the title with um, with Dortmund, zwei got them into the Dritte Liga kept Dortmund dritte, in the Dritte Liga, die, 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 die Amateure, die, die U23. Uh, I see Enno Maaßen struggling with Augsburg. Um, and, but the question is, what about FC Köln? Uh, what about VfL Bochum? They looked incredibly lucky to stay in the league last year. Yeah, well, uh, I don't uh, think it's, it's uh, hard to predict uh, that uh, they will be fighting to, to the final uh, match day to stay in the league, that's for sure. And, um, well, Bochum, I wish them well because um, I used to coach them and uh, I hope uh, they're going to stay there. But um, it's going to be a tough season for all those teams. And uh, I must, uh, well, I will agree that all the names you you uh, gave me just uh, are on my list as well. Holger, what's your prediction for the last, the bottom three in the Bundesliga? No, I don't say that. <laughs> because uh, that that would be would be unfair, and, and uh, I don't wish uh, bad to anyone. I, I always uh, know how much effort everybody puts into the game and into their work, and uh, no, I, uh, no prediction. Um, thank you so much, Holger. You've been an absolutely incredible guest. Uh, I really, really appreciate your time. And I would love to catch up with you uh, maybe later on in the season again for another chat about the Champions League or something similar. Okay. No worries, Ben. My pleasure. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> thank you.